Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. Uh, my name is Alex Barrett. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad that you decided to join us online. And we are in the middle of a series called This Changes Everything, and the this is talking about the person of Jesus Christ. And we started this series on Easter uh, talking about how Jesus coming to this earth, dying for our sins, and then rising from the dead how it changes every aspect of life. And so we've been talking about how it changes a disappointment, how it changes a happiness, and then really how it changes everything. And so today we're gonna continue in this theme, uh, talking about how it changes discouragement. And I know from my own life, discouragement is something that I, I battle pretty much on a daily basis. Uh, the day could be looking good, and before I know it, it can just take a turn inside my mind and I can feel down. I can just feel like, things are not what I want them to be, or I could just feel like things aren't coming together. And some of the disappointment that we talked about last week really does lead us to discouragement. So discouragement is something that really is a battle. And I hope from today's message, you'll be able to identify maybe some of the way discouragement comes into your own life, and then look at ways that you can really battle against that. So discouragement comes naturally to most of us. Uh, depending on your, your upbringing, you may have just been swirling in discouragement for most of your life. Uh, you may have seen situations and the thoughts come in your head and you just seem like, this is, there's no way this is going to work out for good or something can be hopeless. Uh, even if you're a hopeful person, we still just have those bouts of discouragement. And so it's something that we, we all deal with. And if you're a Christ follower, it's also something that the enemy, we have a spiritual enemy called Satan, uh, he really wants to use in your life to drag you down. And I want to start off by sharing a poem, and it's actually called Satan's Garage Sale. I'm sure you've never heard of a title like that. Uh, it's actually written by an anonymous person, but it was adapted uh, by my mentor, and I want to share it with you. Once upon a time, Satan was having a garage sale. There, standing in little groups, were all of his bright, shiny trinkets. On one side were tools that made it easy to tear others down, to use as stepping stones. And over there, there were some lenses for magnifying one's own importance, which, if you look through them the other way, you could also use to belittle others, or even oneself. Against the wall was the usual assortment of gardening implements, guaranteed to help your pride grow by leaps and bounds. You find the rake of scorn, the shovel of jealousy for digging a pit for your neighbor, the tools of gossip and backbiting, of selfishness and apathy. All of these were very shiny and pleasing to the eye. And a visitor, as he browsed, noticed a well-worn nondescript tool lying in one corner. A heavy hammer, old, with its square face now rounded from long use. He found it curious that this one had a price tag far higher than any other. When he asked why, Satan looked at it and said, Oh, they put that out by mistake. It's not for sale. Not for sale at any price. I'll never sell that one. Why? asked the puzzled man. The devil grinned. It doesn't look that good, but that's my most effective tool. If it wasn't so plain looking, people might see it for what it is. That's discouragement. When I can't bring someone down with my other tools, I use discouragement. Because so few people realize it belongs to me. Nothing will stop someone in their tracks like discouragement, no matter how rich or poor they are, or how exceptional or ordinary. 
It can keep people stuck where they are for years. When I hammer them again and again with that, they become hopeless. They can't pray, they can't worship, and they become a victim of their own environment. All the good stuff drains out of them. Courage, vision, faith, hope, and the will to make a difference in the kingdom of God. Once I get them discouraged, I have neutralized them. They end up with only enough energy to feel sorry for themselves. Now, when I read that, it was powerful because what I realized is there's things that are going on behind the scenes. There's things that are going on in my mind that really do bring me down. And what this poem is saying is that, that discouragement is this hammer that enters into our mind, it hits us, and then we slide down. Just like the slide at our playground for Church at the Park, you can see an image there. We just can slide down, and before we know it, we've lost traction, and we're down, and we're, we're off track. And discouragement hits us, and then how we respond, if we continue to get into more and more discouragement, we just keep sliding further and further and further down. And the enemy wants to use this. He wants to supercharge this. He wants it to, again, to be used to keep us down, to neutralize us, like the poem said. So he hits us. But then there's other things that happen inside of us, in our minds, that, that sometimes he can help us with, thoughts that we have that may just got there. And we don't know where they came from, but they can just be used to discourage us. Uh, we talked about wrong expectations last week. Uh, when we're disappointed, that's a great deal of discouragement. And we can really stay there. Uh, if you get frustrated, I don't know if you get frustrated over things that you keep wanting to see happen and they don't. We can get so frustrated to the point where it just seems like, what's the point? And we get discouraged. We, we give up. If you're trying to make progress towards a goal, that gets very frustrating. That gets discouraging. If you can't reach it, you keep going down that slide. If you think more highly of yourself uh, than, than someone else, that you know, then, then you begin to get into comparison and, and pride. And, and that can be very discouraging as well because it just seems like you're not kind of on the same page with people because you want things to happen and, and you want to put yourself in a position that maybe no one else is. And we can really struggle. On the opposite, there's also times when we're wounded and we can't forgive or we struggle with forgiveness and we can become discouraged. We get hurt again and we continue further and further down the slide. Have you experienced that? All those emotions, whether it's expectations, frustration, disappointment, hurt, pain, the feeling like you can't get ahead. I've actually felt every single one of those. Sometimes in any given day, I can experience both sides. Maybe the thoughts of myself that are not accurate, like I think I'm better than I really am. Try to earn my own way, try to prove my worth. And then the other side is like, I'm terrible. I can't change. I can't move ahead. And it's like this, this tennis match. You go back and forth. Like, I'm really good. I've got it together. Oh, no, I'm terrible. Well, no, you're not that bad. And it just keeps going back and forth. The enemy supercharges that as well. And so I want to spend the rest of the time talking about how can we escape the hammer of discouragement? How can we learn to put up our defense against the, the blows that the enemy wants to bring our way, against even our own thoughts that we have that are destructive. And I want to spend the first part of the message uh, dealing with Romans chapter 15 in the New Testament. It's very instructive. It was a letter written to a church in the first century in Rome, the church in Rome, and, and it gives just some practical insight of how to think the right thoughts. 
And I want to walk through this in just this way to help us deal with discouragement. And, And again, to kind of put up some defense and then go on the offense so we can actually avoid those blows. First is how you escape the hammer of discouragement is this. You have to be reading scripture. You have to get into God's word for yourself. The reason this is so important is because all the thoughts you have, if they're not true, you have to replace and filter those falsehoods, those untruths with the truth. And the way you get the truth is is not by looking at the media or culture or Facebook or Instagram or the news. It's actually not even talking to your family. It's not talking to your boss. Maybe not talking to to anyone except sometimes you just have to get into the Bible for yourself. So here at Ridgeview, we want to continue to encourage and help you to read the Bible for yourself. As you read the scripture, it becomes instructive. And I want to start with Romans 15, 4. Check out this verse. It says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. If you get into the habit of reading the Bible, and again, replacing the things in your mind that are not true with the truth of Scripture, the way God sees the situation, the way God sees you, the way that you make progress, your goals, the vision you have for life. This can all come from the scripture as you get into it. As you build that habit, it will dramatically change your outlook of life. The reason I say that is because it has for me. There are so many times my thinking is skewed, my attitude is off, my perspective is fuzzy, and I get into God's word and it clarifies, it turns the light on, the dark spaces become illuminated. I can gain traction, I can gain encouragement and power. I wanna highlight part of that verse. It says, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. This is actually a reference to the Old Testament of the Bible. You have the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you actually gain a lot of hope as you read the books from the Old Testament. And if you not spend much time in the Old Testament, I encourage you, you can start in like the book of Joshua, which is one of the kind of beginning books. You have the first five books, and then it's a little bit after that, the book of Joshua. And then you could read through through Esther in the Old Testament. You you hear stories of people that faced uh, their their own sin and their problems. They faced so much pressure from the outside of culture and relationships. But then also the stories of how God came through. He met them right where they were. Maybe as life was unraveling, maybe as things were falling apart, at the middle of their discouragement of despair, God comes through. And what the scripture is saying is you read those accounts and you're reminded of who God is. It's the experiences of those. So sometimes we have to look back in history and see God has come through. Now, when you read the scriptures, I encourage you, don't don't read it like a textbook or a novel where it's kind of like we're not really in it. It's just facts or just things that may be confusing, but, but read it like a letter. Really, from, from God to, to you, read it as a letter. Like This is God interacting with his people, interacting with those that he's created. When you do that, what the Bible is saying is you're gonna gain hope. And that's what it says, the encouragement of the scripture. The things that have been written are not just to, to kind of, here's just the history book of Christianity. Here's the history book of the Israelites. No. These are written, according to the Bible, to be an encouragement to us. So if you want to learn how to deal with discouragement, you need to be encouraged. And the way you do that is you get into the Bible. 
And so once you read maybe Joshua through Esther, get into the book of Psalms. That's such a helpful book as well. I spent so many years digging into the Psalms because again, these are like uh, poems, a lot of written by King David, who we've talked a lot about at Ridgeview recently. But these are these poems of, again, really difficult circumstances, but in the middle of it, people turning to God and finding their hope in Him. Psalms are very helpful for those who feel down, frustrated, discouraged, disappointed. And there's a lot in that, that book, but I encourage you just to spend some time in that as well. So that might be something you want to commit to. So the first, read the scriptures. That's how you can escape the hammer. The second is pray for endurance and encouragement. So praying and reading the scriptures are two of the keys to growing spiritually. If you want to grow in a relationship with God, you want to become spiritually mature, you can't go around prayer and you can't go around reading the Bible. Like those have to happen. Those have to be habits. Like if you're trying to drink water more or exercise more, you have to choose those regularly, hopefully every day. And then you become more disciplined and your, your life can change because of your health. Well, spiritual health, what the scripture says, is even more important. The same habits have to be established. And so the way you battle against that hammer of discouragement is you read the Bible, but then you pray for encouragement and endurance. This is this idea of praying regularly. Psalm 15, 5 says this, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement. And I'll read the, the second part of that in a moment, but notice who gives it. God is the one who gives the encouragement when you need it. Now he uses other people, but ultimately if you're down and out and you're just beat up, you're feeling frustrated, you're feeling discouraged, turn to God. He is the one who gives us the encouragement. He gives us the endurance. For me in my own life, I tend to do things in my own strength. Maybe I face a problem and I try to figure out how I can power up and maneuver. I can strategize. And there's times in my life where I've spent so much time trying to figure out how I can get out of a situation or solve a problem that I realize, you know what? The first thing I need to do is I need to pray and I need to ask God. And as I'm reminded of that, the Holy Spirit, God himself living in me, just reminds me and I think, God, I, forgive me. Will you help me? Before I get into the plan, before I get into action, will you help me? Will you give me endurance to know how to stand under the pressure? And will you encourage me with what's true and what's real? So I'll be reminded of what reality is. So read the scriptures and then pray for endurance and encouragement. The third to escape the hammer is this, pull into the church community. Now, it's interesting in this passage because Paul's talking about this helpful instruction. Get into the word of God, pray. And then it seems like it's a, a shift. Well, get into the church community. How, how does that fit? Well, let's read the scripture first. So it says, may, it says, may God give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse seven, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Paul then goes the step further in these few verses. We get the ultimate help from God himself through his word, through us talking and praying and asking for help. But then he reveals another source of courage and encouragement is the church. This is why we started Ridgeview, because we realized that in the middle of life, people who are trying to deal 
with feeling down and out, people who are just overwhelmed by life, that they're just dried up, they need help. They need community. They need relationships. They need perspective. They need encouragement from people in the flesh. And God's wired the church together to be that source, to be that beacon of hope and encouragement. And that's the kind of church that we want to be. That's why our mission statement is to invite people to experience refreshing life in Christ. Because when you're discouraged, you need refreshment. When you're dried up, you need water. And so we want to be a part of this living water through Jesus Christ to actually quench people's thirst, a spiritual thirst, a thirst for for meaning and purpose. And when you pull into the church community, when you're actively participating, it's a wealth of encouragement. There's actually nothing like the church in all of the world. It has a distinct purpose because God's given it that. God's built it, and it's different than any man-made organization or system. Uh, In a healthy church, that's what we commit to being here at Ridgeview, uh, you, you should find acceptance, a place where you can belong and you can fit. You can be where you are, and then ask God to continue to grow you. That's what you see in the verse there on the slide. You'll see it again. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. There's a part of discouragement which we feel like no one understands us. Have you ever felt that? No one understands my situation. Nobody really knows what's going on and we, we feel isolated. We're, we're cut off. And that's why in our country right now, depression, mental anxiety, stress, those things are on the rise like double than they were like a year and a half ago. And it's because people are are so divided, they're so cut off. And at the core of it, it's like people just don't feel accepted. They don't feel like they have a place where they belong. So when we accept each other, there's this like beautiful picture, like that's what brings praise to God because that's that's what we're made to, to experience, acceptance. First from God, through the forgiveness of sins, through Jesus Christ. And then with each other, that we wanna tear down the barriers that exist. And we're seeing that in our country right now. There's so much division, but the church has to be a place where unity and acceptance begins. It starts with us. We're supposed to be an example in order to bring praise to God. So to escape that hammer, you gotta read the scriptures. You then need to pray for endurance and encouragement. Then you need to pull into the church community. What that means is take the next step. Like if, if you're watching online, and you've been doing that, but you're, you're missing some and you're kind of not, not really committing, decide, like, I'm going to watch every week online. But if you, you, you're feeling disconnected because online it's very hard to connect personally to people, maybe it's time for you to come to church at the park. So your next step is, you know, I need to actually take that step to come in person, to really get to know people, to take initiative, to introduce myself. Another way you, you pull in is, is you serve. You, you get involved, and that actually, through the ownership of serving, you, you can gain encouragement. Like, I belong here. I'm contributing, and I'm finding encouragement. So I encourage you, pull into the church community. The next is to use good sense. And I hope this will be practical. Hopefully, so far, this has already given you a sense of things to do. But the last thing, when you're facing discouragement, the last point here is you have to use good sense. And I want to shift gears from Romans chapter 15. And I want to talk a little bit about the wisdom literature, some of the Psalms, which I've already mentioned. But but Psalms is part of the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Those books of the Bible in the Old Testament give a practical insight. They're, sometimes they're short, sometimes they're long. Sometimes they deal with our emotion and, and how to kind of 
think the truth, and then sometimes they're just helpful commands. And in that, it's just God's voice speaking uh, to us. Proverbs 16.22 says this, Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the instructions of fools is folly. The way you lead your mind in discouragement is so important because did you know we usually believe ourselves? Like, we do. If we have the thought, we tend to believe it. And again, notice the picture. The instruction, the good sense, is a fountain of life. Again, we get dried up. Well, you, you want to kind of experience new life again, like the, the watering of your soul. Use good sense. And I want to give some ideas of how to do that. There's four things. The first, to use a good sense. Don't try to control what you can't. Don't try to control what you can't. That's such a source of discouragement for me, if I can be real. There's so many times I get discouraged, and at the end of the day, I realize I actually can't change that situation. Have you been discouraged by lockdowns, like wanting things to get back to normal? Well, I don't work for the CDC, the County of San Bernardino, the City of Fontana. I have no real power to change uh, things related to opening up. I like, I, I don't, but I can get frustrated. Like, I just, let's open. I keep, you know, let's, let's open things up. But I can't control that. But if I keep focusing on that, focusing on that, and I get frustrated and frustrated, you know what happens? Again, just like last week, you get, you get into discouragement. So don't try to control what you can't. Ecclesiastes 9.11 says that time and chance happen to everyone. The strong, the intelligent, uh, the race doesn't always go to the swift. Basically meaning, it really doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. There's just going to be things in life that happen that you didn't see coming and that you can't control. Life is unpredictable. If you just always are getting discouraged by the unpredictability of life, you'll never be able to move ahead. So again, it goes back to the, the second point. Like Once you find things you can't control, that's when you pray and you ask God for encouragement and endurance. So those two work together. Then you take responsibility for the things you can't control. See, that's one of the keys of discouragement is when we get into the things that we can't control, we actually tend to drop and ignore the things that we can. Have you noticed that? Because we only have a certain set of energy and focus. We can only think about certain things. Our capacity to do that is limited. So when we focus on the things that we can't control, we're actually dropping the things and leaving the things behind that we can, and then we don't make progress. And guess what happens when you don't make progress? You get discouraged. And when you get discouraged because you can't make progress, you beat yourself up more. What happens when you beat yourself up? You get discouraged. Do you see how this, again, the hammer, and then the slide. We just keep sliding down. So don't try to control what you can't. The second way to use good sense is this. Do something constructive. This is kind of related to the, the, the point I just shared. Psalm 34 says this, tell us how to have good days. The basic gist is to turn away from harming people with words and actions and do good. Seek peace and work to maintain it. Uh, this is a good passage for you to, to go back to. Psalm 34, 12 through 14. It's also mentioned in 1 Peter 3, 10 uh, through 12. But the idea is in the middle of things that aren't helpful, Again, don't focus on it, but, but make that shift like, I will do something constructive. One of the best things you can do is encourage others. As you're feeling the slide into discouragement and maybe despair, think, you know what? 
I can't change a lot of that situation. I need to be faithful. I need to control what I can, but I can't change the situation. What you sometimes need to do is you need to turn away and you need to say, like, what is something I can do to be constructive? And what you can always do is encourage others. I don't know if you caught this show last year, but John Krasinski of The Office, he hosted a YouTube show called Some Good News. And they just highlighted everything that they were seeing around the world that people were doing good. Helping people, serving people, making a difference. And I think that's actually instructive for us. The question like, what, what can I do good today? It doesn't mean we put the pressure on ourselves like we're going to solve the world's problems. But in our neighborhood, what's something good I can do for my neighbors? In my workplace, what's something I, good I can do? What's a way I can turn kind of that slide to discouragement into doing something constructive? Who's somebody that I can encourage at, at work? I think that's one of the most constructive things you can do is encourage uh, someone else. So using good sense means I'm going to stop trying to control the things I can't. I'm going to be constructive, use my energy and my resources for good. Start with encouraging others. And then the third is this. Refuse. I'll say this again. Refuse to beat yourself up. It's a choice. When feelings come and you begin to get into that wallow and that depression and that dark place. It's kind of in the the back of the cave of your mind. You have to refuse to not go there. The reason I say that is so easy, and I've struggled with this myself, it's so easy to rehash experiences, things that you've done that you regret, things that are done to you, and you can just rehash and rehash and rehash. And oftentimes you just beat yourself up. Like, why did I do that? Why didn't I respond differently? Why can't I change? And you go further and further into the cave, into the darkness. And before you know it, you feel all alone and you can't see. You're in the dark of life. And those, the, those are real. Like that feeling is real. That reality is real. But if you refuse to get into that and refuse to beat yourself up, you actually can escape that cave, that draw. And you can remain in the light where you realize you're not alone because you can see. There's people. There's this church community I'm a part of. And then also you can see that God is, is with me and he's present and I can, I can move forward. There's a Psalm 32.5 which talks about kind of how we respond when we've messed up. And it says this, I acknowledge my sin to you. And I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The iniquity meaning basically the the grossness, the the damage, what sin is. There's always damage related to sin. But but notice uh, there's this like confession. So refusing to beat yourself up doesn't mean that you dismiss what you've done wrong. A lot of discouragement comes from our own mistakes, and it comes from our sin. So what you want to do is you want to acknowledge what you've done wrong. You want to confess it to God. And if you've done wrong to others, you want to confess it to them and ask for forgiveness. That's one of our values, clearing up relationships. You have to work towards that. So the psalmist is saying, I acknowledge my sin to you. I didn't hide it. I didn't brush it under the rug. I didn't try to cover it up. I didn't try to hide it. I didn't try to run. That's always going to be a pull. But if you do that, if you run from your sin and act like it's not sin, you're going to get more discouraged. If you brush it aside, you're going to get more discouraged discouraged. And then it says, I will confess my transgressions to you. 
And then the last part says, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The picture is in the middle of the darkness, God brings the light and there's healing there. And so when you're getting into that, like beating yourself up, if you're a Christ follower, your sins have been forgiven. And so you confess it and you, you thank God for Jesus Christ who forgave you of your sins. And so sometimes if you messed up, it's easy. Again, you can spend so much time walling. Just, you know, God, I need to stop that spiral of beating myself up, of focusing on all the things I should have done differently. And you just confess it. God, I messed up. Confess means to agree with God. I messed up. I messed up. My, my sin was sin. It was wrong. Will you forgive me? And then the following is like, thank you for your forgiveness because we know that if we confess with our mouth and we confess our sin to God, we will receive forgiveness. We'll be washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our sin is covered by the sacrifice that he made. So refuse to beat yourself up. Instead, confess what you need to confess and then move on. I hope that that's a help to you because this beating yourself up, oh, it's such a struggle. I've struggled with this so much. In fact, this past week, God gave me the scripture in Philippians 4. Leaving the past behind, I press on. It's this idea of you have to keep you know, dealing with your sin, confessing it, but then you, you have to keep moving on. You can't get stuck because you'll remain in that cave. And then the last way to use good sense, and these are all related, and I hope this, you can kind of see how it fits, is tell yourself the truth. Tell yourself the truth. That's just good sense. We have to know the truth. Because if we're basing our life on things that aren't true, then we can change very quickly by knowing the truth. And so you have to tell yourself the truth. Psalm 51 says this, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. The reason that's such a helpful psalm is the inward being kind of means the depths of who we are. There's so much falsehood that we believe about ourselves, our identity, who we think we are. That's why we have to get into the Bible for ourselves. That's why the things that are written are used for our encouragement and our endurance. We have to know who we are. We have to know who God is as well. Those are both as equally important, who we are before God and then who he is. Because he delights this truth of the way God has wired the world. He delights this. This has transformed us from the inside out. So think about your life all the things that you have believed. There's certain things that you may have learned at school that aren't true. There's certain things that people may have told you as you were growing up that aren't true. It doesn't take long to get into social media before you realize and read things that are not true. You can read the news with a bias and it's not true. You can watch a movie that shares how life works, relationships work, success works. It's not true. You can listen to a song that talks about love and it just may not be true. These are not far-fetched examples. This happens every day. Do you know how much we are saturated with things that are not true? In media, in our culture, in relationships, in others, we have to keep telling ourselves the truth. We have to keep getting back to where this all started, reading God's word and then praying for help. If we keep doing what we've always done and keep filling our minds with the truth of our culture, we're going to get more and more discouraged. And that's what we're seeing. You want to know the most discouraged group in our country right now? It's young people. Isn't that interesting? They're also the most who are the most saturated with social media. 
and all that our culture has to offer. So our culture is saying, here, buy it up, soak it in, enjoy who you are, and the more you soak in, the more desperate and discouraged you become. If you're a parent, you have to watch out for these things. Don't let your kids be saturated with media. They're basically being filled with lies. Instead, you have to cut that off and, and focus on the actual truth found in God's word. You have to pull into that, that church community because we need to be this community where we can tell each other the truth, where we can love each other and accept each other. So wherever you are, whatever you're discouraged with, don't run from the discouragement. You don't have to act like it's not real. This is not about being plastic or fake. God will meet you right where you are. So as I wrap up, I encourage you, there's two next steps I want you to take today. Okay, the first is, as we wrap up, you can put this on your connection card. It's this, I need to escape the hammer by, and I've talked about those four main things. And then the use good sense has four more ideas. So I know there's a lot of content. I encourage you, print out the notes, look at it, talk to somebody about it, share this with somebody who's discouraged, but just decide for yourself, how do I need to escape the hammer? Is it you need to read the scriptures? You need to just get in. You're like, I'm gonna start in Joshua. If you don't know where that is, if you don't have a Bible, uh, you can download the, the, the Bible app and find it. If you need one, we can send one, but always just look at the table of contents. But start reading in, in Joshua, read in the Psalms. Or maybe you need to be praying every day for encouragement and endurance. Could be that you need to pull into the church community. I gave you some ideas for that. Or just use good sense. There's four practical ways to do that. So mark that, like what is the way you need to use this, this, this offensive battle to, to escape that hammer. Think of, think of your next step there and, and, and write it. I, I'd love to pray for you this week on your connection card. So, so make that, that note. Here's how I can escape the hammer. And then the next is I need to encourage. Again, I think so many are discouraged. So many are discouraged right now. What if you made a commitment this week to encourage somebody in your life? Maybe it's a text, maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's a card. What if you actually wrote a letter? Just a letter of encouragement. When was the last time you got a letter? If there's a letter that isn't like some company wanting money from you, and it's personal, and it's actually something that was kind, do you know the difference that could make? So write a letter of encouragement. Send a note to somebody. Be a source of encouragement. God will use you, and as you do that, God will encourage you. I hope this message has been a help. I encourage you, share this with a friend. If you've not subscribed to our YouTube channel, you can just search for Ridgeview Church Fontana, subscribe, and you can share these messages with your friends and with your family. I think as a church, we really have such an opportunity to spread just the good news of Jesus and the truth of his word. Send that to people in your life that, that could benefit from that. Uh, we also have a podcast. You could search Ridgeview Church Fontana. So both of those are just sources where you can just re-kind of visit the messages and then share it with other people. So I encourage you to do that. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, if there's any way we can pray for you as you're battling your own discouragement, please let us know. We love you and we hope to see you soon. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word, which is so instructive and helpful and oh, it is refreshing. It is water in the middle of the desert. And I just thank you, God, for the ways that you have met me in my low points and, and you've helped. And I know so many, we've experienced that. Remind us again that we're not alone. Remind us again that, 
that you are the answer and the purpose and the meaning and the life that we're all longing for. So God, thank you for being personal and near. Help us to take a next step today. Put a, just someone on our mind that we can encourage. And God, just help us to see the hammer and to escape it. We ask this. And for your help and the power that you give in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.